Hey guys, we've got Andrew Houston and Jay Carter with us today from Profit for Contractors. And we're talking about the ways that contractors can improve their businesses by implementing systems and just by improving their business uh, as opposed to improving their you know, construction techniques or trade skills. They're two totally different things, as you may well know. A lot of contractors are stressed out and have their voicemail on their phone full and just too many things going on. And these guys have built a business designed to help contractors who find themselves in that situation, among others. But we're also talking about finding employees and selling businesses, all these types of things. So I hope you enjoy it. These are great guys. They got a lot of experience. Let's get into it. First of all, thank you both for taking the time out of your day, joining us. And um, Andrew, I've read your bio a little bit and I gotta—I know you've been in the trades, but I need you to spell out exactly what type of electrician <laughs> you were because industrial controls and automation, can you kind of spell out that little aspect of the trades first? Because yeah. I've been around a little while and, and I, like I said, that didn't register for me. Yeah. So yeah, I think a good example of, you know, what would that look like back in the day? Uh, like what does an industrial controls licensed electrician actually do? Well, there's a lot that they do. I ended up specializing in building automation lines for breweries. So, you know, I, I like to have the odd brew and uh, I was doing automation lines for all different types of applications that could be potato packaging that could be, you know, in the automotive uh, space. But um, so we would build automation lines. So all the electrical, all the electronics, all the sensors that goes with that touch screens so they could actually see, you know, the brewery, they could see what their capacity was. They could see how many bottles were going through. They could, you know, just basically digitize their production um, in an automated way. Does that make sense? Yeah. So an automation line is that I'm picturing like a conveyor belt at a factory. Is that what you mean by automation line? More yeah, or absolutely. Absolutely. So it'd be this big, you know, stainless steel um, bottling plant, right? Uh, in the brewery. And basically what they would be doing is they'd be putting the, the beer in, putting the labels on. You would hear all this rattling going on of them packaging the, the beer bottles and what have you. And then there's the keg side of it, you know, filling up the kegs and things of that nature. So basically you'd walk in and see this big, you know, conveyor belt uh, along with all these different machines and they would be, you know, automatically, you know, putting the the, the beer in the bottles and, and getting it ready for guys like us to drink. I've always wondered about um, factories and there's a million examples, breweries would be one, but are these facilities like, is everyone become its own monster? You know, by the time all of their different tools and equipment is assembled and the electronics are assembled is it its own factory or do these things are they basically the same you know from the same man, equipment manufacturers um in every yeah brewery? so there's they're basically the same uh, it's just the scale of them right so you know oh. you picture all these microbreweries that have come to life right in the last decade or two you know back in the day when i had my automation company uh, that things were just getting started, right? So the, you had the big, big um, suppliers like Molson's and companies like that, that, uh, you know, it could be Carlsberg, you know, all these different, you know, Miller, uh, people of that nature. And there wasn't any microbreweries. So what happened was, you know, we had a lot of 
you know, uh, smart entrepreneurs that wanted to go and, and make these customized beers. Yeah. And so these little micro breweries. So it was just a scaled down version of, of the, uh, of the big, uh, you know, big companies out there. Uh, that's amazing. Well, fill the listeners in. You're that you're you have a bit. You're you're an electrician doing this, and then you have a business doing this, and maybe kind of get us up to speed on on how your career moved from there. Yeah, for sure. Now. For sure. So I had an industrial controls uh, uh, company uh, doing these automation lines that I just described, and um, I was your you know I was your contractor out there. I was really good at my trade. Uh, I thought I was pretty good at my trade. Um, I could walk into a plant, uh, you know, client would say, I want X, Y, and Z and, and no problem. I could put it together. Okay. We could, I had a whole team of, uh, of electricians and helpers working for me, uh, under the name Houston contracting. And, uh, but I struggled. I really, really struggled. And where I struggled wasn't on the knowledge of being a tradesperson. And Jay can, you know, Jay can attribute to this as well. I'll let Jay tell you a little bit about his business as well. A similar situation is the business was running me into the ground. I didn't know. I didn't know, you know, how to structure the company. I didn't. I didn't have any of that business experience. You know, I had the trades experience, but I didn't have the business experience, and that was a that was a big struggle. Struggle on you know making sure that people got paid, making sure that you're making money, making sure that, you know, you're not in this chaotic state, that you're actually getting control of the business and making sure that the business is going in the right direction. It takes, it takes business insights, right? And as, as well, business insights specific to the trades. So long story short, I went through about a decade of hell. Okay. I'll be straight up with you. Um, Nate, that, uh, you know, I was working 60, 70, 80 hours, 90 hours. Uh, honestly, there's weeks that I put in 100 hours. And I thought that the more time that I put in, the better my business would be. But in reality, because I didn't have these business principles, I didn't have this blueprint, you know, to, to actually build a true business in the trades, I was always a slave to my business, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was fortunate enough. Um, I had uh, ended up marrying a, a chartered accountant. Uh, so on the financial side of things, you know, she gave me a big eye opener that <laughs> I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was just pricing my jobs, you know, with my gut. And, uh, and I didn't even know how to read my financials and all the rest of that. And that gave me a big eye opener that I really needed to become a business owner versus just being a tradesperson. So, right. so that meant getting off the tools that meant, you know, creating structure that meant, you know, finding the right systems and the right process, putting the right policies in place so that this business could run without me. And skipping ahead, I got that business to run without me so well that uh, I was, you know, I had a lot of time on my hands and my biggest competitor came knocking on my door and said, I don't know how the hell you're able to do double the production that I made, that, that they're able to with half the amount of people, but I want that business. I want what you've got. So I sold the business mm -hmm. and Cut, you know, cut to the chase. I had a bunch of buddies, tradies, hang with tradies. You know, we, we go to the pubs together. We go for breakfast together. We play ball together, all the rest of that kind of stuff. And I, the guys were like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And they said, well, why don't okay. you do the thing that you've helped us with? So I was helping all my buddies with all these systems and, and processes and structure. And I helped their business to, to the point that they started getting freedom. Uh -huh. And there's, they said, there's a big need for this. And I was like, is there? 
and and lo and behold, started profit for contractors and you know helping contractors you know really become champion CEOs of their business. And Jay, you know, Jay's like my right hand man. He's you know still Jay still has a, a roofing company. You can tell us a little bit about that, Jay. Yeah, Jay, let's what, hear let's hear yeah. your background, Jay. Yeah, so. Um, Sort of similar to Andrew's, maybe not as sophisticated, but um, same same story. You know, I, I struggled for well over a decade doing just about everything wrong, um, you know, going through the ups and downs of learning how to be a, a, a businessman, um, you know, literally ran it into the ground, you know, had to come back from that, um, you know, that experience and, and really start to realize, you know, um, that running a business meant a lot more than just putting on a tool belt and, and hustling. Um, and to survive in business, you have to be able to rely on more than hustle because everyone, you know, at one point or another in their life can hustle, um, but you can only do it for so long. You can only get so far. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I, now I've got my business where it's completely systemized and, and operates without me. Um, and kind of, I guess, the journey of, of going through all those experiences and, you know, getting my business to where most contractors want to be. Um, you know, you start to discover some things, um, you know, pretty quickly, especially as you start to move into the point where you're building managers and you're building sales staff is that you become a coach. That's, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, that's where your role changes. And I think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of what I'm able to offer, you know, our client base is the fact I've lived through it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I hate to say it, but I got the trauma and the, the scars to prove it. You know, I really, I really did it the, the hard way. And, you know, now looking back, I get to share that um, experience. And, you know, and just like Andrew said, you know, I want to occupy my time and um, have impact with people and, you know, talk, you know, talk what I'm really interested in. But I'm, you know, not necessarily needed or even wanted in my business anymore. So <laughs> it's a it's a great out, outlet now to uh, to share the experience and help others, um, you know, get to where to where I've been able to get. I just have this vision of contractors because of, you know, how I grew up that a contractor is a guy who you shake hands with and his dashboard's covered with papers right. and contracts and he's like dirt under his fingernails and he's honest and takes care of his clients. And that's how my dad is and his business, you know, he, he, he really loved the work so much. I don't think he ever could have lived without, you know, being hands on. But I guess the point is, uh, even for people who may, might romanticize the trades, like, oh, I just want to be out in my office, out working. There definitely comes a point where it's not as fun anymore <laughs> when you're right. getting yelled at or even just the work itself. Roofing uh, is a great, doesn't take very long probably to, <laughs> <laughs> to get to that point. So I guess right. my next question, um, I could see how some contractors and some trades, this may be easier to do than others. Um some trades and built, you know, some type of, some work is so custom and so unique that almost initially I, I imagine, I kind of think, and I know a lot of other contractors say like, well, how could anybody else do this besides me? Mm -hmm. It's so every job is different. Is that a common, you know, something you hear regularly? How do you address that, you know, myth? So, I mean, I, I, yeah, if I'll answer this one. Um, I think that, you know, again, there is a, there is a very big difference, um, um, growing by the day in terms of the stereotype around what a contractor is and what they do. Um, you know, when, you know, when trying to differentiate yourself and trying to get your price and get paid what you deserve, um, I think now more so than ever, it's, you know, you can be, you can be a completely niche market, you know, and, and tackle the hardest jobs and, and it'll pay well. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, being the only one that can do that and the only one that, um, that's capable of doing that, that's an illusion. 
I mean, no matter which market you're in, here's somebody that always that's going to be bigger, better and faster and can do the job better. That's that's really not, you know, again, that's not a that's not a, an angle we want to go at. We want to kind of look at, you know, all right, how do we get this business? And it is a business um, to operate without us. How do we, you know, maybe control those variables so we're not putting ourselves in that situation where we're the only ones that can do it. And if we are the only ones that can do it, what's our plan to start bringing people in that can do it? Right. So again, we get back into it's it's a mindset change that has to occur. And I mean, even if you're the hardest working you know, contractor out there and you, you don't want the business side and all of that, I mean, I still feel, you know, um, obligated at that point that you have to share that knowledge. You have to you have to get someone involved that's that's uh, going to take that that knowledge forward. And I mean, that's mm-hmm. you know, that's that's so important. Um, and it's such a you know, I wish there was more of it. Maybe our trades wouldn't be in the state they're in now, um, if, yeah. you know, we really, you know, took that and, and uh, implemented it. It's interesting, you know, like, I'm totally in agreement with what Jay is saying. What All that goes through my mind when you asked that question, Nate, was contractors need to understand that there's, so a couple of things to this point, right? so a little sort of quote that comes out of my head, uh, just the way that my brain thinks with analogies and things of that nature. I think about systemize the routine and humanize the exceptions. Okay. Mm. So I'll say that again, systemize the routine, which by the way is 80 to 90% of your business Yeah. and humanize the exceptions. So you're going to have, you know, yes, there's going to be customized jobs. Okay. If you're in that kind of trade, right? If you're, if you're a craftsman, a carpenter, you're doing customized homes, the word customized home, mm-hmm. you know, says a lot that, it, that each application is going to be subtly different. Some of the material is going to be different. Some of it's going to be very unique, but the systematic part of what we're talking about is almost like a recipe. You know, I, I use again, back to analogies. It's like a, it's like a cake recipe, right? You know, you, you got this amazing cake, and it could be the best bloody cake in the world. We all have the ability to make the best cake in the world. We just got to get the same ingredients, got to follow the recipe, not put the eggs in at the last. If it says put them in, you know, the second step in the recipe, follow that recipe and you're going to be able to systemize the hell out of your business mm-hmm. so that your business is going to be able to run without you. Okay. Because the more systematic that you can create your business, the more systematic your team's going to be, the more in control, the more consistent you're going to be. But yes, there's those exceptions, right? You know, my last analogy is it's no different than a, a pilot, right? They all get into these planes. They've got their license. I don't care if it's a commercial or private or what have you, but there's going to come a point, you know, hopefully not, but there will become points where they take it off. They have to take it off cruise control, Right. But 90% of that journey, the plane has been on automatic pilot, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, so you know, that, that little last little piece of the 10% where there's maybe an emergency or something where they got to take it off autopilot, maybe to land the plane or maybe there's different wind conditions. They've been trained, right? Which is still part of a system and a structure to deal mm-hmm. with those exceptions, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's, that's how I would answer that question from the perspective of, yeah, you might be listening in on this podcast and you might be thinking, Hey man, I'm unique. Yeah. You do have unique aspects of your business, but I'm going to tell you right now that 80, 90% of your business is, is this, you know, the same principles apply. Mm-hmm. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned pilots and, and recipes. I know pilots have actual manuals like in their plane then checklist that they're like looking at and say with right. the recipe so is this kind of when you're saying systems is this part of the process is is you know kind of writing manuals and stuff or, or to what extent does that happen because again that's like sometimes with this type of conversation it feels like even having the conversation and even like looking for new employees like takes away the time that otherwise you would be getting the work done you know what i mean it's almost like Building systems is just adding one more thing to my to-do list. I'm trying to think, I'm thinking about this for our business and it's more work to like, it feels like more work to mm. build all this out that I don't have time for. Right. So, so that, that is, that is a mindset that we often come up against and, and, you know, we have to look at it the other way. What's, what's your end game? What's, what's the, what's your contribution going to be? What's your impact going to be? Do you want your business to just fizzle out when you, when you go away? Or do you want it to continue on? Do you want it to give you a lifestyle that you deserve for all the work? Because I'll be honest mm -hmm. with you, a little bit more work in building a system or a process. And that could be checklists. That can be, you know, listen, it could be very simple things. Okay. But it's about getting it out of your head and being able to teach it to somebody else. Okay. So mm -hmm. if that doesn't require time, yeah, I mean, there's an initial investment to it, but the, 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 re, the, the paybacks 10, 10x, right? And at a certain point, um, if you get into that mindset of like, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take what I'm doing and I'm doing as a routine and I'm going to break it down in a simple way that somebody else could easily come by and do the same thing I'm doing. So I'm not the only one, right? Mm -hmm. And in a business, that's the simplest way. And in the trades, especially, and we don't have enough of this, like even though they go to trade school and, you know, some trades are regulated, mine's not, but, um, you know, we've, we've had this... Um, you know, the stereotype of what a contractor is and uh, what it means to be in the trades. And it's really damaged, um, you know, the, the trades overall, because we're 25 years behind times. Like we have a massive amount of information, but there's still this lack of wanting to put systems in place, wanting to give a new apprentice or a millennial a pathway um, to come through and, and see, you know, like, hey, listen, where's our opportunities, right? Do, is the next 50 years of my life look like, you know, it's just swinging this hammer and, you know, having no direction and just, you know, kind of doing my best and, and that's it. Or, you know, and, and again, this is where the tradesman becomes a businessman is, you know, painting that pathway and being like, hey, you know, this is where the business is going. You know, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Um, and, you know, you can be here if, you know, if you continue to work towards it. Right. And I guess with the millennial uh, workforce where we're seeing probably the biggest problems and the biggest shift is that those values have changed, right? Yeah. So, you know, um, a Gen Xer or a, um, a baby boomer, uh, their values were if you work really hard, um, you're going to get somewhere, right? So they didn't really mm -hmm. complain. They just kind of went forward with it. Mm -hmm. um, millennials, on the other hand, are the polar opposite. They've seen their parents work hard, um, seen that it didn't really get them too far, and now they're wanting opportunity, right? So they expect mm -hmm. opportunity. Um, and, and I think that the market's struggling to um, compensate for this, right? So you hear like millennials don't want to work. They don't want to, they're this, they're that. That's not true. Labor shortage. We don't have less people on this planet. We don't have less people, uh, less, you know, kids out there. We have, we have more. The reality is, is that because tradesmen have been so stuck in their ways um, and they haven't opened that door to the rest of, you know, the, the millennial group and, and made it you know, a place where people would want to come and work, it shows now, right? That's why we're, you know, for every, I think um, every one we get in, we're losing 10, right? 
So that, yeah, and it's yeah. not for lack of money. It's not like they're getting paid more than they ever have. Um, it is yeah. a it is a hard job, but at the end of the day, it's it's really the pathway, right? Like if you had to look yeah. at the mm-hmm. trades, tell me what what my next fifteen to twenty years is going to look like. Oh, I'm just going to swing this hammer, and or I'm I'm just going to do this one. Like th- they don't explain. Like hey, no, no, you can own a business. You can be you know right. established. You know we just don't paint those pictures. And the stereotype exists to the you know you you brought it up earlier, and that's that's a prime example. Um, what yeah. we're seeing is just it doesn't resonate with a, a millennial workforce, right? And Nate, you know, I'm going to say, can I give you my two cents on this one? Oh, please. Yeah. Chime in. So if you're listening in, you got to ask yourself this question. Okay. When it comes to, you know, Nate, your, your, your comment about, man, isn't it's, it's more work than, than, than what it's worth. Okay. Um, if that's the case, you're going about systemizing the wrong way. Okay. So there's really three, core places that you're going to be at listening on this podcast. You're going to be, you know, the guy on the hammer. You're going to be the guy wearing all these different hats. You're going to be, you know, putting in lots of different hours. You're going to be like an undiagnosed version of schizophrenia. Oh, now I'm the salesperson. Oh, now I'm the tradesperson. Shoot. Now I've got to go quote. Okay. You think about all the hats. Let's just, let's just say that there's minimum 10 hats. Okay. We don't need to go through all of them, but you can imagine what some of them are from marketing to sales to you, you, you name it, right? Being a you know project manager, foreman, being the tech, there's five right there. Okay. So imagine you got these 10 hats. Well, for you to properly communicate, to get somebody else to do that, you're either going to have to do it, you know, version number, version 1.0 is you. Mm-hmm. That means it depends on you. That means it needs to be communicated by you. That means that it needs to be monitored, monitored by you, right? And and on and on and on, it comes back to you. You go away for a week's vacation. You come back. You got three weeks of of fires to put out yeah. because you there's no way for you to properly communicate to ten hats, let alone five hats, what needs to happen on a daily basis. One thing that people don't understand in the trades is that there's a lot going on for somebody to put even trim on the wall, to somebody to hook up, a, you know, a power system, a distribution system on the electrical side, to putting in a roof. There is a lot of moving parts, and if 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 it is version 1.0 in your business, whereby it comes back to you to make sure all that stuff gets done, things are going to get missed, things are going to get dropped. Okay, let alone whether you're there or not. Okay. Version 2.0, okay, is you go and you create these systems so that you can say, hey, John, Sarah, follow these steps, follow this checklist. Instead of me spending two hours explaining it to you every time and you trying to memorize, let alone, you know, try to memorize, you know, Nate, I send you to the grocery store and I go, Nate, I'm going to give you 10 things. You can't write it down. Right. And then you got to go to the grocery store in three days from now and trying to remember those. You're going to forget stuff. Yeah. Okay. In the trades, that's times 10,000. Okay. Yeah. There's tons of different steps. So version 2.0, you create the systems. Okay. You give it to other people. They follow the systems. And when an error happens, instead of guessing where the error happened, you know exactly where the error happened. Okay. So that's version 2.0. Version 3.0 is, and this is where we're at, a prof for contractors, is you get given the system. Mm-hmm. You take the system, you don't need to create the system, and you take that into your business, it's proven, it works for other people, 
And guess what you get to do? You get to leapfrog months, if not years, of trying to figure it out. But guess what? You still you you get this system that your team can follow. So you're you're either going to have to you know stay at version 1.0 and be a yeah. prisoner to your business or you're going to have to create the systems yourself or you're going to have to get the systems from someone, right? Like like ourselves. Yeah. Right? That's that's great. It's funny this uh, labor shortage we mentioned and just mm. th- this demand for tradesmen um we hear about it and the the, the sales uh, or the the approach I hear in media often is to try to recruit new uh, trade tradesmen is something like, oh, you know, if you're a certified welder, you could make hundred bucks an hour. And that, and it kind of, the conversation kind of stops there. And Jay, you hinted at this. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of chat or like taking the next step. That's like, and after you work for a couple of years, <laughs> you could start a right. business and make whatever a million dollars or something like that. Why, yeah. why is that? Why does that get like left out of the conversation? to the trades it's like you can be a tradesman but they never or very rarely finish that with like you can own 50 trucks and a you know a whole crew or what a what a a great question um you know i see this firsthand i mean i experienced it in my own business and and again i was kind of explaining to you about how there's been this massive um change over so as baby boomers and millennial or uh, Gen Xers are kind of weeding themselves out of the out of the market, their value system was one way. Now companies and you know most contractors, um, they never developed or advanced the same way they do that 25 years ago is the same way they do it today. All right. right so yeah. so what 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 I'm saying here is that the millennial uh, workforce they have different expectations, different requirements, they have different um, values. One of the big things we're seeing um, is you know. If I tried to train or if I put someone um, like a Gen Xer uh, through my through our onboarding process, right, which is unheard of in the trade, like who's onboarding, what is onboarding? That's where you actually train them all of your systems up front, like just like a, you know, like an assembly line. When I tried to do that with a Gen Xer, I got this kind of kickback. It was like, I'm not doing that. I know how to do my job. Thanks. I'm like, no, 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 you're not. You're not getting it. I want you to. I want you to be really happy here and I want you to see all the opportunities that there is. Let's plan out your next year, two years, three year path because everyone's path could be different. Here's some guys that just want to go to work. They want to come home, you know, make good money and that's it. There's other people out there, um, you know, again, and, and in the millennial group that come through and they want, you know, they want to own the business. Okay. So what's wrong with, and this is where we see the big difference and the big shift happening is, you know, until we start to say, Hey, yes, you could be the owner. And yes, you, this is the real pathway because, I mean, ultimately, I got to a place um, in my in my business that I'd love to see other people take. I'm not going to block that off or, or just, you know, try and put someone in a in a corner because it doesn't work. If you don't have, you know, the opportunity out front, if you're not coaching, you know, your millennials, if you're not including technology, because, you know, that was always something again in, the, in, in construction, especially we're 25 years behind any other industry. You know, millennials, it's not it's not a novelty anymore. It's not a novelty to be able to communicate well and, and you know, to have mm-hmm. access to technology. It's a requirement. So you have all these these this generation of, you know, most of them are, you know, probably f- five employees at max. OK, and the unfortunate side of it is that they've they haven't utilized the opportunities that have come about in even the last two years, five years. And they're slow to adapt to new technology. They're slow to adapt to changes. They just they do it their way. They're not passing on their knowledge. They're not you know promoting the trade. They're not they, you know. So we have the majority of those is ninety percent of the market 
you know, that hold that that spot. So until that starts to shift, we're going to continue to have labor shortage problems. We don't. And again, like I said, we're not we're not really looking at a labor shortage problem. We have a social problem that's that's preventing us from mm -hmm. truly, you know, you know, being a, um, you know, being where we need to be as a, as a constructed trade. And, and it, it sucks for someone like me. I mean, I'm still younger. Um, and this this trade has given me amazing opportunities and amazing things have come. But I had to I had to go and find those. And we're just not seeing that with the millennial group. They expect it to come to them and be handed to them. And, you know, we we now as a business has, have had to adapt um, and learn how to communicate with them, learn you know, again, you know, there's a there's a there is a process for getting someone, you know, a millennial to come in and train them, get them on board with you, get them seeing the vision you're you're you know you're giving them, getting them to buy in on that. And the good news is, and that I guess the um, the light at the end of the tunnel is they're keeping up with the same. They're they're actually more capable than the last generation. You know, and and everyone it, contrary to. <clears throat> You know what the stereotypes are right now if you ask any trade guy he's going to tell you two things and i hear it day in and day out i can't find good guys and millennials don't want to work right okay you're right yeah mm -hmm. so but maybe they just don't want to work for you and there's a reason why right and that it's true right like again this the work's getting done millennials are doing it they're just not working for you and it's because you it's funny you, know? you think about this you think about this Nate how much think about how much technology is in this thing that I have in my hand yeah this phone right and and, and these millennials are coming in with it in their hand they want to use the technology mm -hmm. they you know they want to bring technology actually to your business right they want that technology you can, you cannot i'm going to tell you right now anybody listening in you cannot compete against doing it the old way out of your head versus technology. There is no way in hell. So, you know, you got these millennials, they're knocking on your door. Look at it as an opportunity for you to evolve. You know, yeah. Jay used the word adapt. adapt it's so right. If you adapt to this, you think about how many of your competitors are out there, contractors out there. If you adapt <laughs> out of 20, you know, you got 20, 30 competitors in your area. There's probably only two, maximum three that are really looking at millennials going, what a great opportunity. Most of them are going, are pushing them away. Right. Yeah. And there's a big, yeah, big problem. Funny. Big problem with that is that within five years, guess what you're going to have to do nonstop. Like there will be nobody else other than millennials. So you best adapt now because it's coming and we're feeling it. Like I'm a roofer. Um, so, you know, we're like mold and mildew. I don't think there's too many people below us. Um, we, <laughs> we experience labor impact much sooner um, than other trades, much sooner than the plumbers, much sooner than the electricians. We've been seeing it for the last three, four years. And I mean, you know, we have close to 30 employees, 10 subcontractors like we we need a lot of workforce to get done our work. Um, and and again, you know, we've seen this starting to occur um, and it's forced us to really start to adapt. But, you know, the other trades are just now starting to get it, like how impactful this will be. Right. Like we've got, yeah. you know, a whole missing thing. And if somebody doesn't do something soon, you know, and, and we talked about technology, you have to meet millennials where they're at. OK, yeah. You know, if you're not if you're not thinking like I'm going to meet them where they're at or I'm going to track them to my space, that's that is virtual. We're not going to find them on job boards. We're not going to find them. You know, uh, <laughs> they're, they're not going to come to you from a, from a resume or an ad you put out like that's not right. that's not happening. You have to 
you have to you have to showcase your business and what you have to offer and you'll start attracting them and and that's doing it through social media that's bringing it to you know stand outside and look different than everybody else right it's funny how you don't have to twist a contractor's arm to explain how like a a tool could make their life easier like it visualize heavy equipment or something they can just see with their own eyes like oh that'd be amazing it's you know two hundred thousand dollars so i don't know if it's worth it but that would really help me and some of these um i'll say like software tools for example jobbers one of our well we're 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 going to be running some ads for jobber i'm really excited about it and i think i saw andrew that you had spoke at one of their things so i'm guessing you're familiar with them absolutely but the point is the point is you can utilize tools and maybe people don't take them as seriously because it's like oh it's you know 50 bucks a month or whatever it is but it's it's a contractor should look at a lot of these things as a tool and then use that like paradigm be like oh tools make my life easier right it takes a minute it takes a minute to like understand how to use a tool true it's worth it because after i know how to use it Da, 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 you know, and um, but somehow there's like when it comes on your phone, it just doesn't it's not quite as persuasive to the old school somehow. Right. And, and that's again, for, for me, I'm cleaning up as a result of it. So, I mean, our hiring process, our onboarding process, um, you know, even the way we're engaging, I, you know, I process between 200 and 300 applications in the last 90 days. All right. Wow. I, I, out of that, I hired three. Now, mind you, very niche, like top of the top, best of the best. Um, sure. But I did that in an automated way. Like we, yeah. we basically, again, when we got to those interviews, we'd vetted through our hiring process. So that gives you an idea of just how much effort and energy has to go into it. Now, if we tried to do that the manual old school way, first of all, we would have hired, you know, the first, you know, scumbag that came by or the, you know, the guy that's not qualified or, you know, the, you know, the people we can, you know, basically just have a body there for, um, or, Again, you know, you can autopilot a lot of this. You can, you know, help use technology to, to do the heavy lifting. And the other thing, which is, is again, this is where our, our opportunity has been and, and will continue to be is, you know, if we counted the number of emails, texts, follow-ups, all the other stuff that we do to try and get people to interview, all right, three to 400 texts and emails get sent a day. Wow. That's insane. And we're hiring three people. And again, yes, I could lower the bar a bit and maybe hire 20. But at the end of the day, you look at my nearest competitor who's not a competitor. Um, I am I'm totally capable of going and taking all of his resources. And eventually it'll happen, right? Because here's just no way he can manually keep up with me. And he's not willing to learn. So, huh. all right, now you're, you're going to learn the hard way is that you're going to die, right? Like there are companies that have you know, wait lists. There are companies, despite all the labor shortage and all this other propaganda that seems to be floating around, um, we're not we're not seeing it. That's for sure. I mean, well, and and Jay, just to be clear, the, the you know Jay's talking about his own business. You know, he's a he's a big part of Proffer Contractors. We're talking like a lot of our clients. Yeah, I've got waiting lists. And, and they have waiting lists because they've adapted. They've got waiting lists because they've become the prize. They, they have waiting for lists employees, for people who want for to employees. Yeah. Yes. For tradespeople. like li- literally, Hey, wow. when a spot opens up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, please keep me in mind. Right. Because, because they're at the right places. They're, they're forward facing to those millennials and all the next generations. Right. You know, <laughs> how many times I come across a contractor and they go, freaking social media is such bullshit. I'm not going on that. And I'm like, you're what? <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm, okay. not, I'm not going on that. I'm like, 
okay, well, you better pray to God that, you know, the competition is not going to be applying our systems here because they're going to dominate because they're going to have the right reviews. They're going to be, you know, having a barbecue at the back of the truck, having sausages at 12 o'clock, you know, and the owner's like, you know, you know, bringing in the food and people are like, wow, what a great environment. Like that's, that's a, it's a prerequisite now, but still the majority of contractors out there, a, they don't know where to start. Right. Um, you know, B they're, they're not willing to, they're, they're still stuck in this. I'm going to do it my way. Right. You know, the old way. And, and that's not going to fly. Yeah, it's, it's just a, not going to fly. It's a total so do, paradigm. Okay, do contractors work um, with you guys remotely? I know you have classroom s- settings as well, but, um, is some, is some of this done just like, you know, we're in Oregon, you know, quite a ways from, yeah. from you folks. So how, how do people, what are the ways? hundred percent remote. Yet? Oh, okay. We do our workshops, like, you know, live workshops and things of that nature. But yeah. again, we're leveraging technology. We don't want to make an, ex, you know, give a, an excuse on our end or on their end to go, oh, there's a snowstorm. I can't make it. Don't worry, dude. You don't need to worry about snowstorms right yeah. from your office. Oh, you want to be at your cottage and do this? Really? Yeah. And, and, and also from the perspective of running their own business, you know, this COVID thing, right? This whole COVID you know, situation. Again, either you've evolved and been somewhat forced to use technology, or yeah. you're 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 gonna you know you're in the midst of of dying, right, or fading away, right. So you know, um, so we mainly do uh, remote. So we got people from all over North America, all different time zones. You know, they can, they, they can remotely tap into any of the training at any time, you know, similar to like this podcast, right? People can go and listen to this podcast, pause it, rewind it, listen it to, you know, listen to it again, share it with their team. I mean, that's so leverageable, right? And so one thing, one thing uh, that we'd have to say and what I've, I've, you know, personally been coached by lots of coaching companies, um, started off actually, uh, with, with Andrew coaching me, um, I think that, you know, the big change with the method that, that he's using is it's not theoretical. All right. So the theory of how you should you should do this and this and that, we all got information. There's so much information out there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, people can drown in it. Um, I think the biggest difference is, you know, what we what we coach and we're, we're coaching mindset first. So get your head, you know, in the right place and then, you know, not forcing you to creatively come up with the, the systems and process. No, no. It's all the mindset of using them. All right. They're built. Just follow the steps and, and make, mm-hmm. you know, again, once you start to see results, it's, it's, a, it's, it is a mindset shift, but if we don't deal with the mindset first, and again, all these things, these limiting beliefs, I can't find good guys. I can't find millennials don't want to work. You're, 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 you know, you're putting it out to the universe and you're going to get that right. You're, you're going to yeah. find that. So it's, again, it is a little different, but, um, yeah, you know. we, so about social media, we obviously got involved with social media and then like went just crazy, you know, and that's not what necessarily what you're recommending people do, but in, in social media can take up time. It is kind of a, a scary thing because you're showing your work and guys can be a little, I, I don't know, in what way do you recommend contractors get involved in social media and maybe even speak to someone who's just an employee right now. Maybe yeah. they know like. Maybe it's one of your roofers, Jay, and he, and he knows like, hey, in five years, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like buy my own truck and and do yeah. my own deal here. So, so what what should people be doing, you know, forward thinking with social media in that yeah. way? 
Right. So, so what you got to remember is social media is meant to tell your story, right? So before all of that, before we talk about social media, before we get to that, that, that part of it, if you, if you don't have a great environment that you're proud of, and you couldn't imagine yourself working, and this is where I think, you know, a lot of contractors are missing, missing the line, put, go back in when you were an installer, why did you quit the company you were at? What did, how did they make you feel? What did they not forget to do? How did they, like, so think about that the same way. So in, before we can ever give you, you know, and, and really the, the social media is the last part of the puzzle. I know how to turn funnels on it. Marketing's not a new thing. We've never, it's never been an easier, any point in history to get out there. All right. What's different though, is we have to look at it holistically. We have to say, Hey, you know what? We're going to, we're going to create a new way to onboard. We're going to take care of our staff first. We're going to, we're going to talk about, you know, where the, um, you know, the journey has to be. And for me, I, it was, you know, getting used to saying, Hey, these guys are going to be my competitors one day. And I'm okay with that. I'm actually going to train them, you know, the best that I can, because, you know, for me, it was only one thing worse than, you know, a guy leaving you that you trained. And that's a guy that was never trained at all staying. Right. So, (laughs) you know, again, you, you want to, you want to really think about that and, and imagine like, don't put any restrictions, have that abundance mindset. And you're going to see a huge difference. People start to own and really take pride in what they're doing. And you start to create this culture when you can start to do that. Telling your story about that culture is the easy part. And people want, they want to look behind this, you know, behind the scenes. If, you know, uh, a new millennial is looking into a job now, do you not think they look at social media? Do you not think that they go that route? Do you not think maybe they're there? Um, Even guys that you want to be in front of, which which you've got to realize is that most of my guys that we hire already had jobs. And it took months of continuously being in front of them and branding to them and explaining my story and they follow us, right? If you're not doing that, you're not talking about all the great stuff that you're doing and you're not, you know, thinking about that. You know, it's just like if you didn't market or advertise for, for business, it's the exact same principle, right? You got to do the same, but from a, from a business culture perspective, you have to, and you have to mean it, right? Cause people, mm-hmm. you know, if you come in and you, you, you know, your job ad promises the world, and they get there and it's not, they're gone, right? Especially, yeah. you know, again, somebody that's just made a change and, and, and you know, um, it's it's just starting to understand those kind of things and really think about that, you know, that pathway and that journey and actually caring about your staff. Like if you truly do care, that's going to show through, all right? You don't, and it, you know, it's just doing that consistently, just like you care for your clients. You know, we often talk about, you know, we don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. Same thing for your guys. You are doing the same thing. All right. If you promise all the world and you deliver shit, you're going to get that back in return. You know, and the, and the sad part is, is that you can have the greatest heart. Okay. I think most contractors out there really want to have a great environment. Okay. They, 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 they truly do care about their employees, right? They want them to succeed. They, they want them to uh, hopefully have their dreams fulfilled by working, you know, for them. Right. Uh, buying a house, you know, getting married, whatever those things going on uh, on vacations and trips and things of this nature. The catch to this is that that will only take you so far. You know, they will still can believe that you care about them. But if you're not doing something that's going to meet their needs, then they're going to go someplace else. 
you know, and when it comes to, you know, you, you talked about people that, you know, work for a contractor, then they go start their own thing. Well, I mean, just, I just want to quickly address that. I think one of the mindsets you want to consider as a, an owner of a contracting company right now is there is the entrepreneur out there, but there, there's also the entrepreneur. And an entrepreneur is basically somebody that's working for you that feels like they've got a piece in this business that they're like, I don't need to go start my own thing. I've already got yeah. a piece of this. And that could be through profit sharing. That could be through lots mm -hmm. of other different ways. But again, it comes back to what Jay was saying. One of the very first things is the mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody might be listening to this going, man, I never thought of it that way. Well, the minute that you think of it and you have this paradigm shift is the minute that you have the ability to make change. But you can't just be going about it the same way that you've been going about it. That's like, you know, they say that all the time, right? The undiagnosed yeah. version of, you know, craziness, right? Just trying to right. do the same thing over and over and expect a different result, right? It's so hard to do that because you have to admit, I, I'm thinking my, my own life and all the businesses I've been involved with, I, I've never been able to do good systems. And but anyways, it's hard because you have to kind of admit that you're terrible at this aspect of business. And for tradesmen, their reputation, how well they do the work is very closely correlated to their business. So they think, well, if I'm not a good businessman, maybe I'm building, you know, bad houses. Obviously that's not the same thing, but basically you got to right. kind of admit it first. <laughs> right. Uh, we see that's that the hardest part, by the way, Nate. Yeah, yeah we see exactly. it all the time. That's and the and part is how pride, many, right? Yeah. Pride, pride gets in the way. That's it. That's it. We, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, the, the coolest things that I think we've been able to do here, uh, profit for contractors is take, you know, that older trades guy, give him enough that his business is, is giving, securing his future really. All right. Mm -hmm. And he's able to spend more of his time doing what he loves. And for some, you're absolutely right. They love being on the tools. They love, like I have clients that have told us that, like, I, I want to, you know, I just want to do this. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. But that's there's responsibilities that come with the business. And that's the kind of thing that kind of drags them down. And when we start talking about all this uh, more and more and more stuff you've got to do, you know, it, it, it creates this, you know, this resistance, right? And they just want to go to work. They want it simple. But it, you can still have that, all right? You don't have to put all the thought into, you know, how to create the system. Like, don't reinvent the wheel. Don't, yeah. it, like, it's about picking your spot. Like, listen, here's some guys that are perfectly happy. They make $500,000 in, in you know, revenue for the year, they, they, they take care of their families and they want to just keep it small. That's cool. Okay. But you still need these things. You still need to protect yourself. You still need to have, you know, a, a plan for hiring. You still need to have all of these things, no matter what. Right. And yeah. again, at the end of the day, if, if contractors, when they came into the business, were given more of this, we'd have a yeah. better definition of success. And we don't. And that's where the problem is, is that nobody is giving yeah. out a definition of this is what success looks like. You know, when we look at other industries, we look at, you know, the software industry, we look at tech, we look at everything else. They've done that. They've created that pathway. They're not saying to their people, you can only work for us. For them. No, they know that doesn't work. Right. Yeah. What you have to do is create it in, in such a way that, you know, people's, you know, like Andrew's saying, people's needs are being met. And, you know, we're we're working actively not to be like the last generation because it's like trying to uh, put a, a peg in a square hole. It's not going to work. You know, I got I got a question for your 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 listeners to to ask themselves. And the question is, how how long can your business run without you? Hmm. How long can it run without you? Is it a day? Is it a week? Is it a month? And think about, you know, now that you've been asked that question. What have been the consequences 
of it not being able to run without you. Like losing clients, losing employees, losing, you know, money. Maybe somebody is, you know, almost going bankrupt, you know, to like, it's, it's a invisible prison sentence. Like you can, you feel like you can never go away. You go on vacation and you're basically still on the phone, you know, doing tax, things of that nature. So if you don't like the answer to that question, you know, that man, my business can't run without me for more than a week or a couple of weeks, there's, there's a better pathway. Okay. There's a better pathway. You don't need to do all the heavy lifting yourself. Okay. You can, you can use other people's systems. I mean, God, we're on, we're on, you know, Zencaster right now. This is a software, you, you know, like Nate, you didn't create it. I didn't create yeah. it, but we're using it and we're leveraging it. And there's, yeah. there's all these benefits that come with it. That's the same thing with, you know, getting control of your business, right? Is you've got to start putting on what we call the champion CEO hat. You have to be a champion CEO, we all know what a champion in our own definition of what that is. It, you know, it's, it's really feeling great. It's, it's being in control. It's, it's, you know, uh, winning, right. Um, and being a CEO, people think that when I say that immediately you'll think of business, but I'm not just referring to business. I'm talking about being a champion CEO of your life. I'm talking about, you know, being able to be in control of going where you want to go, when you want to go in the, in the way that you want to do it. And the only way for you to really, you know, you know, begin that process is to start thinking like a champion CEO, right? Yeah. There's a lot of stress too. that, that whole, like all the downsides, the stress. And you, you mentioned it, Andrew, at the beginning with your business, um, you know, when you were had that realization, but man, there's so much stress. I feel it now with, with the business we're in of just when you have everything on your shoulders, mm. separate from just being busy and no time for vacations, but it's just like this mantle that is yeah. really heavy and intense and it's got to <laughs> feel good. I'm sure you guys have got some fun stories of, of folks who've been able to take that mantle off to some extent and lighten their load. And um, Okay, so maybe the last question here, I've got a friend uh, I, in particular who's talked about selling his business for a long time and he's a contractor and he... But he, he always kind of stalls out. I'm always like, you still doing that? He's like, oh, I don't know. I think he doesn't know because it's such a fuzzy thing. Like, how do you even do that? What's it even worth? How? So could you talk about that whole process? You've been through Great it, question, Andrew, so you, you kind of know. But it's not something you do snap of the fingers. I'm guessing you can prepare for it. What what? How does that work? Do you, do you want me to answer this one? Yeah, we got a yeah, pretty good sure. grip on yeah. it. So yeah, um, I've, um, you know, I've, I've toyed with that as well. I've been given some offers for, for our business. Um, and, uh, what, what I've discovered, um, that business is first of all, construction companies in general don't get bought. All right. Um, there's a reason for it, unless you have a reoccurring revenue, um, something that, you know, on paper, you've got monthly reoccurring revenues, you know, um, most companies don't get bought out. Um, a lot of a lot of companies now that you'll see, you know, landscape companies, um, you know, plumbing service companies, they're getting bought up by venture capital really you know, quite frequently because they're buying their customer base. The only time that a company gets bought um, truly is uh, when they come in and you've got a, you know, a decent um, CRM. So, I mean, you've got a good customer base. The other time they'll buy you out. And this is what's happened to me and, and with ha- what happened to Andrew is when you can do something so efficiently that you're starting to nip at the toes of you know, the bigger guys or, you know, other competitors, they want your systems, they want your processes, they want to know, people can't, you know, 
when you buy a construction company, you're not buying people. You're not buying the staff there. You're buying the system that operates that business and gives the predictable outcome, right? So again, you know, people that are that that will use two types of purchases that occur. One is you have a another competitor, um, or you have somebody that's in the construction business um, that will buy your buy your business. And usually, what it involves is um, you know the owner ends up uh, just receiving the profits that that company is going to make going forward. Right. So they right. basically get retired out of it. That's the one that's the most common. Ninety five percent of purchases are done that way. You don't get cash up front. They're not giving you, you know, you're buying equipment, whatever. Um, the other the the, the newer um, kind of, um, you know, thing that is starting to happen is companies are coming in and buying your process and system. They basically just tear everything else apart and they just want your your processes, your, you know, your SOPs, stuff like that. I mean, they'll give you two, three hundred thousand dollars if you have a solid base there. And the last one, which has always been and will always be, is your MRR. So if you're really thinking about, you know, your business getting that monthly reoccurring revenue, if whatever it may be. So I mean, in my business, we went we went heavy on the service. We wanted to sell service maintenance contracts. We wanted to have you know a, a solid customer base where we could prove that we have you know that reoccurring revenue. And that's, you know, that's where the gold is. That's where you're going to get 10x. Somebody's going to come in and buy you straight out because they can just take that, those contracts and move them right over into their system and have that, that work. So, um, you know, there is a bit of a disillusion out there that, hey, I'm going to sell this great construction company. Well, I hate to tell you this, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but, you know, you are nothing. All right. If you don't have systems and processes, you're nothing but trucks. Um, and ladders at that point that, you know, you're buying equipment, you're not buying yeah. there, you know, people don't care about your customer base because well, I'll, I'll you tell know, you one thing without you, the, the owner thing. there, the, co- the company's worthless, right? Well, this is it. They're not like, you know, back to your friend, you know, they're not going to buy you. Right. Okay. Right. Because, because you, they know that you have a, a certain gestation period <laughs> Sorry to say, right. Yeah. You, they're not going to buy you because you, if they, if they go about doing that and they're a sucker for it, they better pray to God, nothing happens to you. Right. right. Because now they've lost all the value. So, you know, back to what Jay is saying. So if, you know, if I'm your friend, one of the things that you want to ask yourself is like, which one of those do I want to be? You know the the three that Jay laid yeah, out. The franchise right? model. This is like basically you know again where where it's at in terms of being purchased. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. And so you know if he wants to maximize, I'm going to tell you right now that you will double, triple, if not more, quadruple the value of your business when you have it when you're able to get that business to run without you. Mm. Okay, because then it's it, the business is valuable. Right. It's not, again, based upon the owner. So how long does it take? Uh, how, how long should someone think if they're if they're hearing this and being like, I got to do this? Do, do they need five <laughs> years to make that? Everybody's different. Or, okay. Again, that's, that's such a great, you know, great question. And, and I've actually wondered this myself. I'm like, you know, all these like these aren't new things. They're not like in one way or another. They're just, you know, it's not new stuff. It's all around. Like, you know, we like I said at the beginning, we, we have so much information. There's so many things. What needs to change before you start to realize this? It's the mindset, right? It like I could I have a thousand SOPs, like you know, full fetched, like exactly how to run your business, full franchise. Jay, model. explain what an SOP is. Somebody yeah, might a not know standard what operating procedure. So it's just taking you know what you do, breaking it down to somebody else could do the same steps, right? In right. in in essence, um, 
you know, I could give those entirely to, let's say your friend and it wouldn't mean a damn thing. It wouldn't add any value. It would be nothing but paperweight. All right. Now you hand them off to somebody who's truly got that mindset, correct. And understands that they're not, they're not doing the work. They're actually building a team and building a business. All right. There's a big difference there. It's not about the work anymore. It's about, again, coaching a team. Then those are infinity you know, valuable. That saves all the time, all the decades. You want a business over five to 10 people, you know what, the, the wheels start popping off when you don't have these things, the the the, the forethought. And, and again, this takes time. Like if you're to try and do it on your own, okay. And unless you're really, you know, you're, you're on the ball and you know how to do this stuff, it could take decades and decades, right? You, you'd probably never get it done. Where it starts to pick up steam is you start to get one thing, you get the next thing. And then you're in a community where everybody's, you know, being able to contribute to that and you're getting the reasoning and the process behind it. That's when, mm -hmm. you know, again, that could be a three year journey versus a 30 year journey, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it really is to the individual. Cause I'll be honest, we have, we have clients in our, in our program and God bless their souls, but they'll never make it there. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We're, we're only trying to stabilize what they're doing and we're giving them back their freedom and their time by just adding a few things. There are other people that we have that are, they want the world. They want to run multiple locations. They want to be, you know, the biggest, the baddest. And we, you know, again, those are the people that excite, you know, I, I'm, I'm truly excited with, to work with because they get that. Like you cannot do that on your own and you need to, you know, be able to, you know, have this operate, you know, and it's all, that's what it all comes down to. Right. So to answer your question, it's very variable. It's, it's, well, not there's a, the, and there's it's a lifetime there's commitment too, right? Yeah, there's yeah. the last one, which is people come in and they're like, you know what? I want to sell this business in two years. Yeah, it's like okay, so you know, let's let so that's where we have to analyze and basically do an audit to go. Okay, here's what you've got. Here's what here's what's missing. And back to what Jay's saying, we might go, no, that's not realistic. It's going to take you three or four years. Or in some people, it's it's like, hey, that's. That's realistic. You're missing these five or 10 different things. And we're, you know, specifically those different things. And we're going to put those things into play, right? With things that are already working, right? Mm. So, yeah, yeah and it, it, we definitely see the multiplier effect with that. So, I mean, once again, it's giving them somebody their first victory or their first aha moment where they're like, and it's it starts off with such something so like simple and silly, but they, then they start to see and they, you know, we see people really, you know, explode like understanding it and you know we've we've had some exciting um you know uh growth from some clients but then we've had others that are just totally satisfied with just yeah. one or two things we fixed it yeah i'm good i'm you know and they're <laughs> raising so, hands Nate, 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 i just got one last thing to say to your friend which is sure. this if you could get the business to run without him so that he knows he's got predictable profitability he basically has built what i call as a cash cow okay yeah. so if he was able to have this cash cow okay that 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 is going to consistently provide money for him to do whatever the hell he wants to do with it. And I'm going to tell you right now, anybody listening in that's in the trades, you are in an amazing place in the mm -hmm. sense of opportunity. There has been no greater place ever in the history where the you know where there's way more demand than there is supply. Okay. And it, when you're in those situations, you can make a lot of money if you and, just put the right systems and structure in place. And labor, yeah, and labor shortage is the biggest opportunity I've seen in the last decade. Because, yeah, you know, for amazing. some companies, there's going to be no labor shortage at all. It's going to be the opposite, right? So it's how you, how you win at that. 
Well, I'm going to see this friend. He's kind of in the, he's in like the kitchen and bath kind of part of construction. And so I'm going to see him in a month actually. And I'm anxious to hear the update on where he's at with this. Mm. And, uh, maybe my last, um, comment here is actually a, it's a silver lining. I think contractors generally are, they're good at understanding division of labor. In other words, people with certain skills can do jobs better than others. And so Mm -hmm. it's logical for contractors to sub things out to people who can do it faster, better. And the same goes for coaching and consulting because, uh, they, they, it's the same principle. Like these, there's, there's a, a skill that I don't have that someone else has. It's much less expensive for me to buy it from them than to reinvent the wheel myself. I think contractors have a more, uh, tangible understanding of this just by nature of the way the trades work you know a a guy who's been doing something for decades can it's faster it's cheaper and it's better than you could probably do it yourself certainly Mm -hmm. on the first try and i would say the same thing goes for consulting and coaching we've got people helping us and in pretty much every case it's money well spent so maybe to wrap it up um, give us all the rundown on where i know you have a podcast that you guys put out as well and lots of content your website and your services where where do people go okay jay do you want to speak to that or you want me to yeah you can go ahead yeah so basically you know we have what's called the the no bullshit podcast for contractors and it really is about that it's uh they can get a lot of insights uh from the podcast because we we really see that there's a lot of bullshit out there, you know, where people aren't giving specific, tangible strategies yeah. that people can take away. It's just a lot of fluff and a lot of, oh, you got to put structure in your business. Okay, what the hell does that mean, dude? Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay, so um, so that's the No Bullshit Podcast. They can, they can listen on that. It's on Spotify. We've got it actually uh, set up so it, it's got the video as well. So, you know, I can, I'm drawing out things or, you know, having Jay on there and other guests as well. Uh, then we have the, the Profitable Contractors Association. That's a, you know, it's a, a free Facebook group that any contractor can join. Uh, we've got, I think we've got 12,000 or something uh, members in there. It's growing quite rapidly. That's and it's great. all like-minded contractors where they're sharing, you know, similar challenges, similar issues and things of that nature. And then there's uh, the Champion CEO community, which is you know the clients that we work with, um, you know who are you know serious about improving their business and serious about leapfrogging decades, the days, right, with these systems. And um, so, if anybody wants to reach out to us, they can you know I'd say first step, listen to the podcast. You know, another step, go into the Facebook group and join that. Get a get a taste of what the community is all about. And uh, and if anybody wants to you know join our or has has interest in the champion CEO community, that's a great place for them just to post, you know, the uh, asking for help raising their hand. Amazing. That's well, yeah, that's great. Thanks so much. It's amazing how much valuable information is out there. I've been enjoying your podcast this last week and just for free, you know, you don't have to invest a million dollars to mm-hmm. like even right. just get the wheels turning and it's, it's a great place to start. And so Keep up the good work. I love you guys are solving these problems. Like I said, my dad's a contractor. I've been around a zillion of them. And I know it's a stressful, it can be a stressful industry. And so I love that there's people, uh, I don't know, making making it easier and improving these these problems that I think a lot of people experience. And uh, it's just, it puts a smile on my face to think that there's people like overcoming and putting those years behind them and, you know, making a better better future of it yeah well you know what nate there's there's a lot of uh you know we 
you, Jay and I and a lot of our coaches come from the you know contracting world, so we can really relate to these contractors, right? And and the reality is that you know we know so many contractors during our day that are really good people, like they really are great people. I I love tradies because they're real, they're yeah. to the point. They, they again, there's a lot of them are you know that we meet are are, are the no bullshit, right? Yeah. They're they're like, hey man, I want help. Like, how can I get that? And, you know, we're just so passionate in, you know, any way that we can to help contractors uh, because we really believe they're great people. They're our number one priority. And, and we really, you know, know that we can help these people um, and, and the have a better overall. life because, yeah, exactly. Trades that's... overall because they deserve it, man. Like these yeah. are the hard, the trades people, my last little thing, like they're the hardest working, some of the hardest working people out there. So they're, they got no lack of effort. Okay. There's other places out there where there's a lack of effort, but I'll tell you what, in the trades, man, the trades people out there, contractors out there, there's no lack of effort. And when you can combine that with, you know, things that are already working, it's a game changer. Amazing. All right. Well, Hey, thanks so much, Jay. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Andrew, both of you, um, keep up what, what you're doing. I just love it. We'll make all these links available in the description, uh, in the show notes and on our YouTube channel. And we'll, link to uh everything we can find to get people pointed this direction if this is something that is uh sounds exciting to them so keep it up guys and thanks for joining us thanks for having us nate really appreciate it